This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to a very special edition of Reinvention Radio. These are my favorite editions of Reinvention Radio. Why are these my favorite editions of Reinvention Radio? Because the gang's all here. We got everybody. We got... Mary Goulet. Hello, everybody. Mary Goulet. Richie Ote. What's your bravery? Hey, Steve. Hi, Mayor. White Wade holding it down in the studio over yonder. And our very own Kelly Poker is right here, right now with us in studio. Hi, Kelly Poker. Oh, my God. This is so awesome. (laughs) Hi. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. I love when you're here. It's so great. So you were in town hanging with us in San Diego. Uh, We had our private clients in. You were part of that. And uh, before you ran back home... You said, I'm going to hang out here with uh, with the Reinvention Radio crew on a Thursday. So That's right. Have yay. to come when I'm here. And you got your Reinvention Radio shirt on and the whole nine. Of course. So you're Thursday. It's the new attire for Thursday. I now you're going to get there to see go. how hard it is to get to talk with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have to text us now. Oh. You can just give them what I do. Right. Just give me the look. So the, so I want to see. So uh, so if you were going to text me that, that unhappy emoji, like what would that look like in person? Let me see the... Let me, that's no, the I have tossed in a roll. I, right. I roll with it. That's yeah. good. All right. Well, thanks, Kelly. I'm, look, really, I'm excited you're here, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, one of the reasons why we're going to have a ton of fun today uh, is because we got an amazing guest joining us. And so, man, I just uh, I got to tell you, there, there's certain people in the in the podcasting world that uh, that you look at and you go, oh, that guy's a douche. Uh, wow. And other girls you look at and you go, <laughs> she ain't the real deal. Like, you know, uh, on microphone, one person, and then you meet that person in, in person. And it's just like, what what happened to that person? I actually like was like, whoa, I, I like you. And now I've met you and I don't like you at all. This guy's on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, what you see is what you get. He has a really powerful story of building up one of the most popular shows uh, in the history of podcasting, uh, only to have that rug pulled out from under him. Uh, and now firing it back up on all cylinders uh, with his new endeavor. And so we're going to go into some details on that. But uh, this guy's a real deal. Uh, and he's just a, really a gentleman and a scholar. And he's the same guy you hear on the mic that you meet off the mic. And I've had a good opportunity to meet him over uh, a fairly decent amount of time now. Uh, I think we first uh, met Jordan maybe about three or four years ago when we had him on the show. So it's really, really, really great to have Jordan Harbinger back on reinvention radio what is going on my man how are you sir hey thanks for having me on i appreciate it i thought when you were like there's some people where you're like that guy's a douche and we got jordan here on the show. <laughs> you know i kind of was going along with that too yeah. you know sometimes steve surprises us no there are yeah. other people who are in podcasting whose names begin with jay that are that that's not you I and mean, we're not talking about all right so we won't name names here we won't go down that road but it's just awesome having you on uh, and reality is that uh, you have had an unbelievable go here over the last, um, I don't know, what would you call it, last year or so since things kind of kicked into uh, strange gear for you? It's been four months. That's it? Since really? Recently, oh that's it. It's been four months. Isn't that crazy? It is, yeah. And what you've been able to do in those four months is nuts. So uh, let's take folks a few steps backwards. I mean, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Jordan Arbinger and a lot of the things that he's got going on in the world, um, you can definitely check his, uh, of course, his show out and then his sites and whatnot. Um, and we may get into some of the background stuff around being kidnapped, not once but twice, and some of the other things that have gone on in your world, which are just downright amazing. Uh, 
uh, and being able to read. What do you say? You're up to like 3,000 Chinese characters now that you can recognize or something like that, right? Oh, so, yeah, cool. You saw that. Yeah, I can read 3,000. Supposedly, I can read 3,000 <laughs> Chinese characters. And they're like, oh, you can read a newspaper. And I'm like, yeah, a newspaper written for eight-year-olds probably. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just amazing <laughs> that you can. I look at that stuff, and I think they're just well, I won't get into what I think they're saying about us Americans, but that's a whole other discussion. So let's step back, though, and I want to start here in just give us a sense of how it felt when the business that you had built, and, and for those of you who, and we'll name names here, I mean, uh, you're, you're not shy about sharing your story, and Jordan was uh, the integral part, and really a lot of people say the, you know, the, the reason why the Art of Charm had the success that it had, he was the man to make that happen in a lot of people's opinions. Uh, and so if you listen to podcasts, you've probably seen the Art of Charm uh, on the charts, and Jordan was uh, arguably the man uh, behind that, although, of course, there were others involved. Uh, and one day you wake up, and the rug gets pulled out from under you. You get kind of pushed off the show. Um, give us a little bit of an understanding of what happened with the Art of Charm, dude. Yeah, so I, my team and I, we had created that show. I ran it with my producer, Jason, for the majority of the show, or at least half the show, and it's it was 11 years that I did that show from interviews with great people to some of the solo stuff that I did. And I grew it at its peak to over four million downloads every single month. Mm. And then I, you know, I wanted to turn it into an interview show. I did. You know, I'd already been doing that for a few years. And my business partners were kind of like, well, they had other ideas where the brand should have gone and. They had other ideas on how they wanted things to run, so we negotiated. There were other things going on, of course, uh, that I won't mention because it is a legal dilemma, one might say, a non-amicable, very (laughs) acrimonious legal split. And we had negotiated an amicable split. That split did not work out for reasons that, to me, are honestly still kind of unknown, although human nature plays a big part. I Wait, say I got to that. give you a timeout here, though, for a second. Like, things are churning. You're, you're, I mean, you're top of the charts. Podcast One, right, picks you guys up, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're on that network. Did they, did they buy you guys? Did Podcast One pay you? How did, how did you end up on Podcast One? I just want to start there for a second. Oh, sure. So what happened was we were approached by them a few years ago and they're like, hey, we noticed you're consistently in the top 50. Would you want someone to sell ads for you? And I said, sure. Yeah, of course I would want that. And so I signed with them or I should say we signed with them and we were with them for several years. And we were I also was doing a show on Sirius XM Satellite Radio for a few years during that, which was based on the podcast. So there were a lot of pieces and there were a lot of people invested in the success of the show. And I had been building my personal brand off of this as well, which was of course represented the company and we had a very successful company. And it was, that's why one reason why it's such a shame that everything went the way it did, because it really didn't have to go that way. And now every party is going to be worse off for it Mm -hmm. in the short term. Uh, In the long term, I will just say this. History has a way of playing these things out, and so I'm not worried about it. So give, give us a sense, though, of revenue. So uh, you got 4 million monthly downloads. You're on the Podcast One Network. They're selling for you. You've been doing your live events. Um, give us a sense of where were you at revenue-wise at that point, at the, at the height not terribly long ago. Sure. Multiple seven figures was the revenue, not just of the show. Bear in mind, we had a training company. We had online products. We had advertising. We had a lot of different vectors and so that was the, the the multiple seven figures wasn't just like random sponsor money. I mm-hmm. want to be clear on that because in order to get a multiple seven figure show, you've, you're talking about m- 
many multiple six-figure audience members at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's if you're – there just aren't shows that have that unless you're New York Times, an A-list celebrity, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so this was a handshake agreement. This was a written agreement. Where, are you, where, where were things at with your, with your partners at that point? I mean did you ever have anything formal between you? Of course. Yeah. It's, I still own a third of the company. It's just, here's the problem. When you run into a legal issue, it doesn't really matter what's on paper unless you are willing to throw cash into the legal system to make sure that it's enforced. So I'm, I'm an attorney by trade and I have been for years. And I will tell you, there are plenty of people out there that, that are owed millions of dollars that just there's, it's not worth them going after it because they're going to spend more to collect it. And mm -hmm. this is why you hear things like, oh yeah, this company owes me $70,000 or this other company owes this other company, you know, 50 grand and they're not doing anything about it. And to the layman, we go, what are you talking about? Yeah. I would be, fa I'd be so mad. I'd sue them. And it's like, cool, it's going to cost you 70 grand and then you have to collect it, mm -hmm. which is going to which you're going to pay someone to collect it for you because the other person might dodge payment. So all in all, we're talking about maybe twice as much money as you're owed. Oh, and 18 months of legal hell. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to sign? You want to sign up for this right now or do you want to pay over time? Right? It's just, it's not worth it. Yeah. So that's why big companies, that's why you hear of big companies. You remember the podcast patent trolling mm -hmm. dilemma? I was literally so, just going to ask you that with Adam Carolla. Yeah. And Apple, we're like, when's Apple going to step in and crush these guys? And then it was like, oh, yeah, Apple settled with them for $18 million. And you're like, what? Mm. Because Apple went, I'm not going to court over this in a public thing and then wasting all these resources. I'm just going to give these guys money and then we'll be free of them forever. Of course, I don't think that was a good idea because all it did was cause them to go after other big podcasters and embolden them and make them rich. But, you know, the corporate heads of companies routinely – will settle. Like you, you hear stories like this all the time. People crash their car because they they didn't know how to do something in their car or whatever. This random thing happened and they sue Ford and Ford's like, here's a million dollars, just go away. Yeah, they put Even a hot cup of coffee in their lap after going to McDonald's and they go, what the fuck? This coffee was hot and I burned my lap. You know, it's like... Right, and if you, it wasn't I, hot, they'd have been complaining about it being cold. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. they sue McDonald's, so there you go. I will say, though, that is the one case where she definitely should have sued them. That's It's funny because that's the poster case for lawsuit abuse, and yet when you find out the back, I studied this case in law school, when you find out the backstory of this case, McDonald's deserved so bad to get sued because, and I'll, uh, this is a little bit, a bit of a tangent, so cut me <laughs> off as needed. Okay. The reason was they had been burning hundreds of people, and they had always just settled and never changed the temperature of the coffee because it was like one cent cheaper to keep the coffee in the pot longer by keeping it piping hot instead of letting it cool because mm. it stays fresher longer. So it was much hotter than it needed to be. Wow. And then this woman, who, by the way, was like 75, mm -hmm. burned herself horribly. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just ouch. I mean, she had multiple surgeries on the places where the sun don't shine. Mm. And she tried to settle with them. And McDonald's said, F you, we're not paying for your medical bills. And she had tens of thousands of dollars in medical bills. She had no choice but to sue them. And the judge initiated the punitive damages because the only way to get McDonald's to change their policy mm -hmm. is to cost them so much money that it's cheaper to change the policy that causes the harm. Yeah. That's what punitive damages are. So it wasn't just like 
I'm rich, bitch, right? She yeah. was like, I just want 600 bucks to pay for the fact that I need a skin graft, mm-hmm. you know, or 6,000 or whatever. And they were, the judge was like, no, this is going to keep happening, yeah. 20 million or whatever the verdict was. It had to happen that way. <laughs> I got but, you. but otherwise, you're right. You know, people will not spend money to enforce these things. They will settle. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes you will never see money. And if, if the legal system functioned the way that it was supposed to, then people who didn't pay child support, well, that wouldn't happen so much because the hammer would come down on these people. But it doesn't because you have to – you're a single mom. You have to hire an attorney. Yeah, that's the first thing on my priority right. list. Right. Yeah. No, I got you. And thankfully, I can now use the bathroom at Starbucks without having to ask. So I appreciate those guys being kicked <laughs> you can out. You live there. Right. I know. It's changed. It's changed my life. I just, I just look at now. I just give them that look. I go into Starbucks. And I just look at them. Mm-hmm. Say something. I dare Say you. Something. <laughs> Say right. something. Say something. You're doing this to me because I'm a my because I'm one tenth cheer cry, right? Yeah, open so, the door. Oh man! All right, so I get it. So this is this is why you, you looked at it and you said, you know what? Let me just move forward with it. But at the at the same time, I mean, you must have been really kind of butthurt about all this. I mean, like these are your buddies. Something what happened? I, I, I just I don't want to beat the horse here too much, but I think as we move into your story of reinvention and how you've been able to kind of pick up the pieces and move forward, I, I mean, you had to be pretty hurt. And this is a story I know that a lot of folks can relate to is when things don't go right. I mean, what was, was there a, an email? Was there a phone call? Like, how did you find out? And what were your, what were your emotion? What was your emotional reaction to it? I, w- I w- actually wasn't hurt. And I know that surprises everyone. And a lot of people think it's not true. But this was something where if I look honestly at the history, I should have one, seen this coming and two is completely par for the course, in my opinion. Um, I don't want to get into any sort of like personal stuff yeah. that, for legal reasons, but I will say that I was neither hurt nor surprised in any way at all. But your income was cut to zero at that point, correct? Correct. So you, so yeah. you go from this multiple seven-figure company, and, and by the way, uh, I, I love what you said because a, a lot of what we talk about in terms of working with our clients is that podcasting is not a, a business, but there is a business of podcasting that you can really begin to understand and leverage to monetize what you're doing. And so clearly you guys were leveraging what I would call the, the business of podcasting as opposed to just looking at it as a business onto itself. And so you've got this multiple seven figures thing going on here. And then all of a sudden, uh, everything gets cut off. So you go from, uh, I would think, a, a pretty decent income. I'm, I assume you had a decent net there that was split between uh, the three of you, and you wake up, and now you've got zero. So, did you have money saved? Were you were you prepared for this? I mean, you said you kind of saw it coming. Uh, were you prepared at all financially? Yes, I'm a really good saver. I'm a good investor. Uh, not to pat myself on the back, but since you asked, yeah, I I have enough money at any given time to float me and my family for at least a year without taking any sort of lifestyle hit, mm-hmm. and. Additionally, I had other money that was available to me to pay the team, not totally everything that they were worth, but, oh, it's worth noting that um, I was able to bring my entire team with me to my new venture. So I left and sort of, but so did everyone else. That's and a testament so, to you. Um, you might say that, or the, it might be, who knows, it could be anything. I don't want to pat myself on the back here. I'll but, say it could be they were the douches. There you go. <laughs> you didn't. You say said it, it not me. Yeah, yeah I said it so, not you. <laughs> so what happened was every single person that I worked with at all, other than the other founders, is working with me it, it, virtually. I should mm-hmm. say. I should always caveat everything, but 
Yeah. So I was able to bring, so I didn't have to retrain anyone. And I was like, Hey, look, uh, some of you, I can't pay. And some of you, I can only pay half. And everyone went, that's cool. And they just came to work the next day and are still working. Mm -hmm. So everyone is invested now. Everyone has skin in the game and it's kind of, that was really heartwarming because not only did the audience largely come over to the new show, the Jordan Harbinger show from the old show, but the entire team that I, the team I worked with did so as well. And that was, that was something that was a massive relief because sure. if you imagine being out on your own and having to do it again, holy moly, yeah. did you, it's impossible. Did you give thought to not getting back into podcasting? Like, was that ever, was that ever a thought in your mind here? Cause there's a lot of people who say like, you know, podcasting is just a fad that, you know, I mean, it's the, the growth of this medium. I mean, it's, it's really hit its peak. Like this is, you know, this, this is as good as it's going to get. Was, was there ever a thought in your mind? Like you need to do something else? Uh, not really. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why at first, what I thought was what, a lot of people were like, let's do YouTube or whatever. And I'm like, now nah. one, I am, I've been working for 11 years on trying to become one of the best interviewers around. And so I'm not about to give that up just because somebody else sort of revoked my permission slip. I don't need a permission slip from anybody. I'm going to, that's the that's whole thing with podcasting. I was, I built the show with my producer and team. I'm not going to stop because somebody took a brand away that I didn't care about. Really? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And also what I, what I also did is I did what I recommend other people do when they're in situations like this, which is reach out to people who have cool heads and exp- experience with business. And so one of the first calls that I made was to me, was, and that was one of the smartest calls you've ever made. <laughs> yes. so it's funny because I did call you. you I did, did call you. But another person that I called, I didn't want to embarrass you, so I'll tell Thank a story you. about your second else. choice. Your second person you called. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I called Norm Pattis over at Podcast One, who is my network, the owner of my network. And he was, he's been in radio for like 40 or 50 years. Sorry, Norm, if I'm making you sound old, but he was in radio for so long and he goes, you know what? Don't skip a beat. And sure. Part of that was like, Hey, we got advertisers to please. So don't stop. But he, he also said something along the lines of I've been in essentially Hollywood and radio for so long that if you go, I'm just going to take a year off and figure out what I want, or I'm going to start this other channel of things, or I'm going to sit down and write a book. It doesn't always work. In fact, what usually happens is people go, whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. Maybe he died in a car crash. Anyway, next, what's, what's next on the docket? You have to keep it, yourself what, relevant. You have to stay relevant. And so he goes, we're going to give you a, a new contract. We're going to take all of the advertisers that we were supplying for the other show, and we're going to put them on your show because we need, to, we need to serve these impressions. And these people bought you. They didn't buy the show. They bought you as a broadcaster which I really kind of had not thought about in the moment. And that turned out to be a very important distinction because all of these sponsors, they took a flyer essentially on me and had then said, we will give you the, we'll give you the ads in our, for the new show. We'll give you the ads for the new show and we're going to pay you what we paid you before. And the agreement is you got to work your butt off to get back to where this is ROI positive for us. And that's exactly what happened. I worked my butt off and I gave them bonus impressions so that, you know, their risk was mitigated. And that was not easy for any party to do. Yeah, I was going to ask you when they switched the sponsors from the Art of Charm to your show, was there any pushback with the sponsors? Because I get the point that they wanted to follow you. I've always been a believer that 
people fall in love with the trainer, not the gym. So the gym should watch out what kind of trainers they hire, you know, because they'll follow them somewhere else when the trainer leaves. But you're the trainer. You were, when I didn't know any of this stuff was going on at the beginning, and I just noticed, where's Jordan on Art of Charm? And I'm listening to Art of Charm. And I unsubscribed, didn't know what was going on, saw your other new show pop up, jumped on, loved it, started to hear more, heard John Michael Port's show, heard the story. But I'm blown away that, that just shows how many people really looked up to you and knew you were the main backbone because that's that was a huge brand and still sounds like is potentially hopefully it is until it gets cleared up and then who cares what happens with it right but but uh-huh. um, but how did how did that look like what did, was there any pushback by sponsors did they all jump on board or they just believe the owner of of uh, of your network. So I don't want to speculate on this because I wasn't in the room for those conversations, but I know that the gist that I got was everyone went, yeah, well, I mean, he's always converted for us, so whatever you guys say. But I think it was kind of like asterisk next to that. It was kind of like, sure, yeah, whatever you say, and if you screw this up, you know, we're going to renegotiate the deal. Or, hey, yeah, cool, but if it doesn't work, we're going to ask you for bonus impressions on the back end to make up for sort of us not getting what we paid for. And I went 100% totally on board with that. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. And I think this what turned out to happen was a lot of, and I again, I've only spoken with a couple of the sponsors even since then, and even then only indirectly, was they went, well, we just felt really taken care of because it wasn't like, oh, our ads are going on this new show now. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we sort of, we were super upfront. We told them what was going on. They said, all right, keep in touch with us. And we updated them regularly, as far as I know, through the network anyway, on what was happening. And they just went, cool, well, the performance is where it needs to be. So, you know, we're good until we're not. And that was a a good way to handle it. Because I think what a lot of people do, and I think what a lot of people in my situation would have done, is they would go, oh, my gosh, don't tell anyone. It's so embarrassing that this thing happened. Mm -hmm. And I went. I had to I had to think about this. It only took me a few hours during the one of the first days, but it was like one of the, one of my other sort of friend mentors, friend tours, uh, told me. He goes, "You got to think about what you're going to do. It might be an ego blow to tell people that you had a dispute and you ended up getting quote unquote fired from a company that you own." And I went, "You know what? I don't care because it's not it, one. I'm all about transparency, and two, this stuff sort of this sort of stuff happens. Like, so what? Yeah. People." People get fired, they get divorced, they lose their jobs, they start businesses that fail. If you're caught up in your ego, God help you. You are in trouble. And the choice that I had to make was, okay, do I want to have a five-year recovery where I sort of like slither into the Jordan Harbinger show and people are like, oh, what happened? You kind of like were gone for a while. Or do I want to have a one-year recovery where I shout it from the rooftops, call all my friends and go, I need your help right now because all of this ish just fell on my head. And I need everyone to rally around me. If you care about me at all, I need your help. And people were answering the call from that I met once three years ago. And they're like, no, I just liked your show, so I'm down to help you. That was powerful. And I would not be back where I am now without all these folks' help. And that was that was the choice. It was, do I want to sort of like preserve my ego and seem like, oh, yeah, it's all part of my grand plan, but take half a decade to recover? Or do I want to recover literally in 12 to 24 months, be better than where I was before. And that choice to me was pretty easy. But in the beginning, it was, what are people going to think? And I know there's probably some whispers like, 
what an idiot. He got fired from his own company. That's so stupid. And I've had my friends jokingly tell me about that. But at the end of the day, look, if anybody says that would never happen to me, I really hope it doesn't. But let me tell you, I'm an attorney. I knew what I was doing. I'm the face of the brand. It made no sense to handle this way. It made no sense for any of this to happen. It was, again, I won't speculate, but there are reasons people do things that are against their own interest. And this was, in my opinion, the result of those reasons. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's like somebody stealing from their own store. People do it. Why do they do it? I don't know. You know, they steal from their parents or something. It's like these are people do illogical things. And you are not immune to this. It just hasn't happened to you yet. And that's why whenever someone says like, oh, man, his wife cheated on him. Oh, what a loser. It's like, oh, well, you better watch your mouth because your wife could be cheating on you right now. And you have no idea. Yeah. You know, like you think you're you think that what you're doing is everything right. But you don't know anything about what's happening behind closed doors. You just think that you do. And for me, people go, well, what what could we take away from this? that you learned the hard way. And really I, the, people go like, I would never have business partners again. That's not the solution to this problem. That's, that's the bitter guy who gets cheated on and goes, I'm never dating again. Cause women are terrible. It's like, no, there, you had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that nobody in the history of marriage and dating is ever going to be happy, but thanks for all your baggage, yeah. you know? So if the answer is not, don't have partners. And the answer looking back, the answer isn't even, oh, well, you need, because people are like, you needed a, a share buyback agreement. I'm like, oh, duh, you don't think I had one of those? Mm-hmm. Gee, I guess I went to law school for no reason. The solution was not any of those things. The solution was actually and counterintuitively figuring out something years ago that I was burying my head in the sand and taking an action that I never would have had the guts to take, which is leave earlier. What I should have done is been more honest with myself and left years ago on my own terms. But here's the thing. I would have ended up in the same place, in the same situation, and I wasn't ready. So I probably would have had a harder time. And looking at what happened the way that it did now, I can now see that this is probably the best thing that ever could have happened to me. And I I mean that. You know, I just... I'm just having deja vu because I suffered the same type of experience with a company that I co-founded... And we brought in, stupidly, because my gut was telling me no, 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 we brought this guy, oh, and Kelly Pelker was as well, we brought this guy in who was playing the role as our CEO, and I was a brand spokesperson. I went out of town on a Sunday or a Saturday. By Monday morning at 10 a.m., I was out of the company. It was insane. And we still have not divvied up any of the assets or the, oh, it's, but it's the same thing. And I knew years and years prior that I had to get out of that company mm-hmm. and I didn't. So Jordan, let me, let me ask you this then, man. Podcasting, there's a lot of, a lot of talk about it obviously is Apple CarPlay and Android and whatnot. And it goes into the car and it becomes a push button on the dash, just like AM, FM satellite, et cetera. People are talking about the growth of podcasting and how it's uh, you know, it's a medium that really the, the best of times are in front of it as opposed to being behind it. As you looked at this and you said, hey, I've got a blank slate here. So for those who are thinking about starting a show, and really, I mean, look, let's be honest, you had the advantage of, of course, having Podcast One behind you and having to put out the, you know, the, the, put out the word around you, and you had all these relationships established where you could lean on those relationships. But, you know, lots of folks have networks of their own, and they can lean on those relationships, and they're thinking about starting a show. What are some of the things, as you looked at this from a blank slate perspective, like, hey, I am starting from ground zero here, 
what did you think you needed to do differently with this show that, you know, look, by the time you got to where you were with the Art of Charm, it was it was uh, along its path there. I mean, it's just it was a certain there was a certain way of doing things. You get into a groove. It's hard to change what you're doing, what you're about, et cetera. So how did you think about this from a blank slate perspective? And what do you recommend folks who are thinking about getting into podcasting? How can they leverage your thinking when you started your show? I just want to give them some insight around, hey, I've got a blank slate here. What do I do? Right. So it's actually kind of hard to wrap your mind around the blank slate concept because people go, wow, you get a chance to do all these things that you couldn't do before. And I was like, yeah, like, um, uh, you know, you just you, you don't know because chances are you've never thought about this. Right. Ever. Yeah. Because wh- who thinks like, yeah, OK, occasionally in my wildest dreams, I'm like, what if I could live my whole life over again? Oh, I wouldn't have gone to college and I would have gone and lived in another country earlier. Like, whatever. I, who cares? It's just a mental exercise that has no value unless you're a parent and you think like you'll bring these lessons to your kids but i'm 38 and have no kids so it's a waste of time for me to think about these kind of things so blank slate for me was instead of going all right i have all these ideas it was all right let's talk to the listeners what did you hate most about the other show let's talk to the team what did you dislike most about the last show and you'll find that once you start interviewing like 20 people from your team from your listeners from your fans from your friends you'll start hearing things. And so what I was hearing, if I can share, was, oh, well, you know what was hard for me was you do these good interviews, but I couldn't recommend it to anybody because I'd have to say, well, the show is called The Art of Charm, but it's not douchey. It sounds douchey, but it's not douchey. Trust me, it's really good. And people would go, eh. And other people would go, yeah, I couldn't share it on social because, you know, I just don't want to be associated with the name because I'm married. And I was like, okay, so definitely change the name, which I, I knew that one. That was a that was a freebie. And that was one of the things that sparked the initial disagreement um, of me leaving was I was like, we got to rename the show. This is just killing us. You know, Condoleezza Rice is not going to come on a show that looks like it's about picking up chicks. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So so that was a huge problem that we had argued about for a really long time. And other things were, you know, hey, look, I don't one of the chief complaints was, look, I'm a. 48 year old mother of three i'm not interested in your dating boot camps i'm just not so i fast forward through all of the ads and i was like oh that's not good for the advertisers so i went okay well what we're going to do is our audience had changed demographics so radically over the last few years you know from like 99 percent tech dudes who was only the people those are the only guys listening to podcasts to 30 or 20 percent women all educated professionals a lot of people in their 40s and 50s, and I went, okay, we need different advertisers, we need different products, we need different types of guests, and that's what we did. And what was fortunate was, it was everything that I wanted to do. I wanted to teach men and women in the same room, couldn't do that with the old brand. I wanted to teach corporate clients, definitely in military, couldn't do that with the old brand. I wanted to run live events on site at Google, Apple, Facebook, places like that. Could not do that. The government was not handing out checks to a company with that name. It was mm-hmm. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there were all kinds of things like that that were problems that I was able to go, oh, I don't have that problem anymore. And when people go, isn't that the guy that used to host that one show that was about that? It doesn't matter because it's a totally different company, a totally different brand, a different set of people, a different website. Like it, it's a completely different animal now. And that would not have happened. That's why I say this is the best thing that ever could have happened to me. That would not have happened if I had worked out a nice cushy deal to leave on a soft landing. 
I would have been entwined with all of the baggage that the brand had accumulated over the 11 years mm -hmm. that would have not have been good for me because it wasn't what I wanted to do. And that, that would have been a huge problem. I'm not saying anything negative about the brand itself. You know, the brand is tremendous value for the people that value it. And I no longer wanted to deal with that. I wanted to do something totally different. So the fact that I was thrown out on my ass, literally, and almost literally, I guess figuratively, not literally, thankfully, was actually good. Mm -hmm. That was the way that it needed to happen. Otherwise, it so this hard reboot, that was what had to have happened. You know, that was the the so let that me, was let, the idea. Let me, so let me ask you this: I mean, if, if you're not Jordan Harbinger and, and you don't and you don't have uh, the following you don't have podcast one but you are looking to get into you know like you leaned on simon sinek you lean on like all these folks obviously that you know right out of the gate people are like i want to hear from that person right so you had the benefit of those relationships coming out of the gate you you do sort of a generalish show now obviously with the name like you said it's it's more general it gives you more flexibility to do more things for the new podcaster how how important is it to niche it down from a from a discoverability standpoint? Because you've got the ascending spiral, right? I mean, the the popular shows will continue to be popular because they show up in the charts. So they show up in the charts and people listen to them. The downloads go up; they continue to be popular. Those the, that ascending spiral is almost impossible for the average layperson to break into unless you have a meaningful platform. So you have the benefit of that. You obviously have worked hard to get that, and you deserve it. But for the average layperson who's looking to get into podcasting, then if they want to be discovered, if they want to make a, a go of this, if they want to really leverage the the power of the medium. Can can they do that with the general show, or do they have to go niche? I would say that. Well, this is an interesting question. There's a lot of facets to this, and stop me if I end up answering the wrong thing. But I would say if you're new to podcasting, niche hard. Because if you're coming into it and you're like, I interview people, you better be from CNN yeah. and just branching into podcasting because you're going to then be competing with all these people that have decades of experience under their belt, a ton of connections and multiple industries to book the guests that you will want. And you are going to have a hard time because you're going to be a small fish in a large pond. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you're like, well, I really want to interview pet shop owners, then stick to that. And, and then I would say interview pet shop owners in North America and start there, right? Like really niche in because then people won't care if you're like, so I'm recording this in my car on the way to local pets uh, in Tampa Bay, Florida. They'll be like, cool, this is the only show for pet shop owners. Or this is one of the only good shows mm -hmm. for pet shop owners or beekeepers or whatever. If you don't have that, you have to have a great team, a lot of talent and a lot of experience because otherwise what, you're competing with Rogan you're competing with uh, yeah, Anderson I mean, look, Cooper and, and Guy Raz. And I've often said, I mean, if JLD or LH started their shows today, there's no fucking way they'd get any traction at all. I mean, they were just, they, they benefited from the timing, and, and, and God bless them for doing so. But if those types of folks started their shows today, there, there's no way they'd be where they are. Wade, I think you had a, a question you wanted to ask Jordan? Yeah, what? if I yep. could. I'm fascinated by the evolution, and so where this question's leading is the evolution of the show. But, and to tie in with what you're saying, you know, start with a niche. So you indicated that initially whatever you were talking about was kind of geared towards that uh, male tech. Mm -hmm. And then the show evolved. Obviously, if you've got that uh, middle-aged uh, businesswoman listening, the show had evolved away from that. 
right? And now you're picking it up and going, okay, I'm going to go 100% into that evolution. My question is, tell us a little bit about that evolution. How much of it was intentional? How much of it was organic? How did your show targeted toward a young tech guy maybe looking for dating advice start attracting that female professional? So what happened was that I didn't want to stay talking about the same thing for 10 or 11 years just because it was working. So again, another point of sort of disagreement among people inside the company, but what, what, was, what was causing this was I had a choice to make. It was, do I want to go, hey, I'm 38 now, and I know I'm still talking about the same thing I was talking about when I was 28, but let's ignore how pathetic that is for a second and then move on to you know the topic of the day, which is a rehash of a rehash of a rehash of a rehash because I do shows three times a week and we only have so much content about meeting women in bars or whatever, right? That's an example, of course, uh, and, and not realistic, but what I did was I went, I'm just going to talk about things that are interesting to me. And so I started off and it was risky, but I didn't care because the alternative was do something I'm starting to hate and then eventually hate myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I went to North Korea on a trip and I went, well, I'm going to do a show about going to North Korea. So I did a show about going to North Korea. And instead mm -hmm. of getting low downloads, it was wildly popular. I'm sure. And and then I went back to the topic and people went, hey, that other episode you did was pretty cool you know, feel free to branch out. And then I would do another interview with somebody and I'd be like, Hey, this is a little off topic, but this person special one, what I did recently, I, cause I still do this one I did recently, whereas I normally talk about neuroscience, psychology, networking, relationship development, personal growth. I interviewed a guy who was a anti-money laundering financial, a forensic uh, finance guy. And he talked about Russian arms trafficking, human trafficking, drug trafficking, and money laundering. And I went, send, you know, and it went to the feed and I was like, look, a lot of you people aren't probably going to be interested in this, but here's this new thing. And people all over were like, oh my gosh, more like this. Mm. And other people very were like, oh, you know, these aren't my favorite, but they're sure are interesting. Mm -hmm. But nobody was like, stick to what you know, jerk face. Mm -hmm. Right. I think a lot of it, Jordan, comes from something you alluded to earlier, though, is from day one, this is something you wanted to get really good at. Right. I remember hearing yes. podcasts from you sneaking out of the law office, trying to run and go do the podcast real quick and coming back and, mm -hmm. you know, faking out your buddies, trying to get, get it done. Right. And here you are trying to evolve, move forward. And in this world right now, when everybody's telling you double down on what's working, you were like, well, fuck, let's break it. Let's break this yeah. thing, because to get to the next level, you have to break things that got you to that level. And, you know more power to you and and the elephant in the room though is you weren't starting from a clean slate because you practice your craft so much that people are compelled to listen like i don't give a shit what you're talking about i'm looking forward to your show mm -hmm. because i appreciate that because I appreciate you, that yeah that well i appreciate you doing it you know like you pull out things Aww. out of people us no actually you know this is a perfect timing to ask this question you were one of the first people that Steve was going to get to come to New Media Summit, and then you didn't come to New Media Summit. Yeah, was that because jerk? Because that was that. You all of a sudden realized Steve was the douchebag. Oh, that was why. Oh, wow. oh. oh. I'm gonna duck. <laughs> no, I, but on, on a serious note, I you did, were looking forward to seeing. I, I was him. looking forward yeah. to seeing you. I got not man crush. Don't worry, I'm, you don't got to stand over here or anything. Um, <laughs> but like. 
I can you get that guy away from me? No, no. I I really enjoy <laughs> how you how you ask either, questions. Richard, right? Who knows? Who knows? You never know. Um, but what what stopped? Do you remember that conversation? Were you going another way? Did it? Do you remember why what, you? What's oh why I didn't make it to New Media Summit? Yeah. Oh well, I I told Steve this actually privately. I'm happy to share it. Um, and I'll edit out the part where he you know, punched me in the throat. No, uh, <laughs> what happened was, what happened was I had recently, and I won't mention these other people's names. I don't even remember all of them, but I, right around the time I got invited and I didn't know Steve that well, we were just kind of acquaintances at that point. Cause this yeah. is like two years ago or something, yeah. I guess yeah. I had just gotten totally screwed over by, I think like two events back to back. And then once I straightened all that stuff out, I got Google alerts for two other events where I was on the website and I was like, hey, I don't know you. Mm. Who are you? And they're like, oh, I meant to see if you would come and speak at my event. And I'm like, no, I can't make it. And take me off your website. You're selling tickets saying I'm going to be there. I don't know you, yeah. you crazy ass. And so I went, what am I going to do? And my team was like, cancel every event that you're going to so that we can say as policy, I'm not doing any events this year. And then people and then send cease and desist letters saying that, look, Jordan doesn't do events for this. Da, da, da. And I, so you guys were kind of a victim of that because I couldn't be like, I'm not doing any events this year, except for this one that I already kind of. And then also because mm -hmm. my lawyer was like, we need to be able to say you don't do any events unless it's vetted through this. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to make Steve jump through hoops after I'd already. So I was like, look, I just I got it. I think the email I sent was. Dude, I just got to be really careful about what I do. And I think that probably read as, you seem really shady. I'm not coming to your event. But that wasn't <laughs> what I meant at all. What I meant was I'm getting harassed by these. And I, I didn't really think this was a thing, but it totally now makes sense. Mm. I bet you there are tons of people that are like featuring Tony Robbins. And then they sell 100 tickets. and like, Tony couldn't make it. His flight mm -hmm. was delayed in Fiji. Sorry, bro. But I've got this other no-name guy who's going to tell you to jump up and down yeah. and dance. It's like, wait, what? I paid a thousand dollars for this. Sounds so like a cool I just strategy. It, it, I'm like, how come more people don't do this? The answer right. is they get sued out of a uh, out of existence. I hope, but that's that's what was going on. So it actually had nothing to do with you guys at all. So, so there is a chance that you could come to another one someday since the year has <laughs> so passed. Saying there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> Back to the art of charm days. You use that teaching well. There's a chance right. the door is open. All right. So let me ask you this, man. And uh, of course we. You know, we'd love to have you at a, at a future New Media Summit, but, uh, you know, uh, September in Austin, Texas, you know, you haven't been back to Austin for a while. I think it's time for you to head back that way. But uh, at some point, we'll, we'll obviously figure out the, the right oh, it's time. in Austin? Austin, Texas for September. Oh, you got it, buddy. That's excellent. Yeah. Uh, what are, the, what are those dates again? Uh, that would be September 11th through the 13th in Austin, Texas. You can get more information at newmediasummit.net. Is, cool. is that a good puking? That, was, uh, that is good. Yeah, that was totally that is good. good puking. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, September 11th. Through the, we, we are reinventing September 11th. That's, uh, so yeah, yeah, I was going to say auspicious date, but I didn't want to say anything because it's like, 9-11 yeah. through the 13th. Yeah, so man. we can put you down then, Jordan? Oh, Kelly's uh, stepping up. I in love for the it. Close. Get it, girl. Hard closing. <laughs> yeah. so I only I get in this... studio every now and then I got to take advantage of you. <laughs> if you. If you can send that to me because I'm looking at my calendar right now and I do have part of the dates free, but I'll be in Canada for part of it and I want to run it by you because I don't want to be like, I'm here for the party, but I got to go. You heard it. Jordan is here for the party. So that, I think that's You're all we, the right we just, place. yeah, we just, yeah, right. It's a cool <laughs> event. We edit it out. Jordan is here for the party. That'll be what the snippet says. And then we're going to put him on the side. Jordan is here for the party. That's all. Yeah. That's all it'll say. And all then right. it's like, I, 
so I hear I'm emceeing the event now. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, and you're leading our year-long mastermind as well, just in case uh, that wasn't uh, that wasn't clear. It's right, in so, the fine print, right? All right, so let's let's jump back into it for a second. Obviously, the Jordan Harbinger show. Uh, you're doing really, really uh, well just out of the gate, like you said, four months here. Uh, I know you're stoked. I know that this is something that feels uh, much more uh, in, in line with what puts fire in your soul, man. So I'm really happy for you that you, uh, you know, in through, look, like you said, you never know what's going to happen on the backside of, uh, of these things, but it seems like the, the light at the end of the tunnel here for you is, is really, really bright and really, really powerful. So as you look at how you're going to then move forward with this show, let's talk about the business of podcasting and not the podcast itself as a, as a business. What, what is your revenue model or what are you thinking about in terms of revenue model around the Jordan Harbinger show? So what I do right now is I've got the ad revenue. I've got products that I'm shooting that have to can do with some Can we stop there for one second? Can, can, we, sure. like, can we open Pandora's box around that? So there's a lot of folks sure. who think there's, you know, you've got to have a gazillion downloads to, to make any real money. What, what, what is a CPM right now? Like for a show like yours, uh, give, give us a sense. When you say advertising revenue, like what does that actually add up to based on where you are now? Um, it's sort of, oh, good question. I haven't even done the math on this. Because I just make most, so much money. I don't know where it comes, right? No, of course just, you do. Well, right. Well, no, the, the, the reason is because most advertisers pay net 90. And since the show is four months old, I've gotten exactly zero checks from advertisers <laughs> so far because I'm not even going to see a dime for another couple of months, mm-hmm. which is kind of nuts, right? Yeah. So, cause you bill net 90 and then they might pay you. 30 days later. So you're not seeing money at all. So that's the podcast one revenue model. Then they get the money in from the advertisers and then they arbitrage it and then they invest it and they make money on this, the, the delay there. That's, I didn't realize that was podcast one revenue model. That's grocery brilliant. So they take in the money and then they pay Jordan 90 days later. Oh, no, no, no. I don't even know if that's their revenue model. I mean, when <laughs> I do direct ad deals, yeah, I was going to say Norm's going to like shoot me. Uh, no, I don't kidding, know. Kidding, 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 um, Norm. Amazon's model. Yeah, right. No, kidding, even, Norm. When I do direct deals with advertisers, like, you know, someone buys directly through me, what will happen is I will still have to negotiate hard and I'll be like, can you pay net 60? It's just there. That's the way that ad models have always kind of worked in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, except- so on a so direct, then what happens so if I buy directly from you? Like we want to build our audience for reinvention radio. Best way to find a podcast listener is to advertise on another podcast. We want to do that. What, what do we pay you today? The answer is it depends. So if for me, when I do direct deals, I'm like, you pay up front or you get nothing. But when Podcast One does it, they deal with ad agencies generally. Mm-hmm. And so when you deal with an agency, the agency probably is the one that already has the money in hand from the client. And the agency was founded in 1938 by somebody who's like, yeah, we can't get the checks over there by courier in time. <laughs> so they take forever we'll as they chew, on, yeah. right, they, they chew on their, their unlit cigar in the office. And they really just take forever because i know from from talking with people at, on other shows that this is pretty standard when i do direct deals though i always want to get the cash up front because i have no leverage right if if i've aired your ad and you go eh, we don't like you anymore i'm sol but podcast one would be like oh well we'll just never do business with your agency again you will never have access to our 600 or whatever shows and also we're going to sue you and we have tons of money because we're a company whereas i'm just like Thank you, sir. May I have another mm-hmm. because I have no recourse other than a, an expensive lawsuit where I will collect where I'll pay 60 grand to collect my twelve thousand dollar check. 
right. you know, from some random business that already goes out of business by the time they've ripped me off. So I won't do business with people I know I think are going to not do well. But yeah. most of the direct advertisers, they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Here's a check because that makes sense for them to do business that way. And they're saving a bunch of money by not going through an ad agency. And how generally. much is that check? So are we like 50,000 downloads right now per episode? Are you, are you doing better than that? And oh, if we I'm want doing to, better than that. You are. Yeah. You're doing millions. Well, that's monthly. I mean, that's cumulative. So, but not per yeah. episode. Yeah. So, mm. if, so if we wanted to do an ad package again, I'm just trying to get to a, to have an understanding of what's possible for folks. So, uh, on on a CPM basis, yeah, let's again. I, I want to get to some hard numbers here. So, sure. based on where you're at right now, what does someone pay to be on the Jordan Harbinger show if we're doing a direct deal? Sure. Let's hold on. I'll, I'm literally whipping out my calculator right now. I'm glad you said calculator. <laughs> yeah. No, I already had my pants off. I already had my pants off the whole time. Um, the average spot is around fifteen hundred to three thousand, depending mm-hmm. on when they bought and how much they bought. Mm-hmm. So, and I do four spots per show. Mm-hmm. So you do a pre-roll, a mid-roll, post-roll, and uh, or do you do it all mid, I, or how do you do it? I do all mid-rolls. I do all not mid. want. I don't want any advertisers to get the first minute of the show mm-hmm. because, and here's the thing. People go, oh man, there's ads in the middle. Can you stack them all up front? And I'm like, why? So you can skip the ad and never support my sponsors. Mm-hmm. No, that's, yeah. you literally have to pay the price to listen to the content that we create. Sorry if you're entitled and you don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is people, then the other half of people go, this is so annoying. I'm three minutes in and it's all ads. And I'm like, okay, so you can't win if you stack them up front. Yeah. By the way, this episode is sponsored by the new media summit. You can get more information at, no, I'm just playing around, but, uh, but no, I hear you. And it's a great, hey, can point. you stack that in the front? So I don't have to hear it while I'm on air. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, so in addition to the ad revenue and, and I just looked at the clock here and Jiminy Christmas, we're going to, we're about five minutes out before we got a wrap here. And I want to give obviously folks an opportunity to find out more information about where you're at and how they can hang out with you and so on. But uh, so you look at the revenue model now. So you got the ad revenue. What, what else are you thinking about in terms of monetizing the show and the and the listenership? So there's products that are being shot and designed right now that are going to be released to the audience. Obviously, the Jordan Harbinger show, one of the things I'm known for is explaining things in a really good way, concisely summing up information, highly practical advice from great people. So we're going to take some of that stuff and synthesize that into pro- online programs. We also have a live event in August in Las Vegas, the 10th through the 12th, where we'll be teaching things like body language and nonverbal communication, networking, negotiation, branding. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that we're going over. Uh, mm-hmm. The event is largely full because we had a lot of people from the military and from uh, a bodyguard company reserve a bunch of spots. Hmm. So... What's, it's the, gonna be, what's the name of the event? And if people wanted information about that and grab one of the last few seats, where would they go? Sure. So the event, the website is advancedhumandynamics.com. Or the website, sorry, is advancedhumandynamics.com. And we are going to be doing our live event. Well, online we have level one, which is like an online training where you can learn about networking, relationship development, and things like that. It's free. And then we have our high caliber networking intensive, which is the Las Vegas event which should be effing awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited for this because, again, really comprehensive, a lot of hands-on training, a lot of scenarios. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're not just going to lecture at you. We're going to put you in situations with coaches giving you feedback in real time. So it should be pretty awesome. Sweet. And so any final thoughts around podcasting or reinventing and recovering and persevering? Just want to give you a chance here to, to share some final thoughts. Yeah, the one thing that's really saved my bacon is I dug the well before I was thirsty. And what that means is 
I didn't go, oh, my God, I'm on the outside of my business. What do I do now? I went, okay, I should call people for advice. And I started making a list of people that I could call for advice. And I had to stop at mm-hmm. like 180 because it was pointless to keep making a spreadsheet of people that it was going to take <laughs> me two years to call. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went, wow, I have a lot of people that are kind of willing to help me out here. And I made those calls. I sent those emails. And it was just like, oh, my God, what would I have done if I had no – what would I have done if I had like five people that were on my side? Wow. Yeah. I would have been screwed, man. So the best thing that I did was actually practice what I preach, which was build relationships, maintain relationships in a productive way, which is what we teach at level one, advanced human dynamics, that level one class, that free stuff is all an intro to that. Because that, it, unless you are going to do everything yourself, you know, you're, you find yourself alone on the outside of your business, right? So you got your talent, if you have any, which I didn't. You have your skills, which you built over 11 years, which I had, of course. And then what? You have your network. Well, crap. What if you didn't build a network? Okay, guess you're doing it all alone. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that, man. Yeah. You're going to rebuild your decade-plus-old business by yourself. So I didn't have to do that. I had the whole team. Mm-hmm. I have all of these allies, contacts, and relationships. That was... If someone said, we're going to give you $8 million to restart your business, but you can't call any of of your allies and relationships, I would have been like, nah, keep your money Mm -hmm. because the value is so much greater. It was amazing to be able to go on like half of the iTunes top 50 within a few months of relaunching the show and being like, hey, I'm kind of SOL. Can you help? And they were like, sure, of course. You can't buy that. You you could buy ads on those shows. It's going to cost you a lot of money. and It's not going to be as effective. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. Well, good stuff. And uh, I, I think I saw the email uh, about coming out of the Jordan Harbinger show soon. So thank you for sending that. And, um, you know, what you declare actually can happen. So there you have it. And uh, appreciate the invitation. And I'll, uh, I think it's uh, two weeks from now, I'm going to be on Jordan Harbinger, right? Is that, that's two weeks, right? Let me see. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't know personally, but I'm sure it's on there somewhere. Um, and then we'll have we, to look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have to look at that. right. All right, my man. So, look, if, if folks want more information about you, best place for them to go other than checking out the Jordan Harbinger show, uh, JordanHarbinger.com or Advanced Human Dynamics slash Level One is yeah. where it's at. All right, my man. All right, really, really good stuff. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us here on Reinvention Radio. Really, really thrilled for you and uh, the newfound success and. I got to tell you, you know, we talk a lot about reinvention here on the show and, uh, of course, being able to reinvent your life and uh, move forward in the face of, uh, you know, tragedy sometimes and uh, being able to persevere through. But even in this world of new media, you know, you get the rug pulled out from under you. It's pretty interesting what happens as long as, like you said, you know, you dig the well before you need it. Any final thoughts? Yeah. No, I'm just I'm just glad he got right back on the horse. He's good at what he does. We need, you know, we need more podcasters to listen to good interviews. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friends. Well, for Mary Goulet and Richie Ote and Kelly P. What's up, Kelly P. And White Wade. I'm Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests just like 
It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com. That's myultimatedirectory.com.